Well, was that win against Stanford an actual turning point, or was that just a blip in the malaise that is UCLA football? Too early to tell, but we'll talk more about this in a couple moments. But first, want to welcome you in to a Monday edition of Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can find me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. You can email the show. Yeah, you can do that, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And you can hit that subscribe button, which is pretty simple. Those three things, following me, and emailing the show and hitting that subscribe button is the ultimate triple play. And I got to say that the more the Bruin football team wins, the more listenership we get. So I got to thank Chip Kelly and the guys for the win on Thursday because it certainly has helped our numbers here in the podcast world. So here is what I've got on the menu for you today. There were some revealing and relieving things. Progress from UCLA's win against Stanford. And because the game is... Relatively fresh on our minds, I want to backtrack and point out certain areas where the Bruins succeeded and excelled beyond what they've done earlier in this year. Plus, I'm going to look at Jack West, Stanford's quarterback, who was the third stringer, who got his first start last weekend and did not play well. What accounted for that? I'll explain in grander detail. To start it off, how about J.J. Molson, our kicker? He had a rough start to the season. He missed three of his first five kicks. He had entered this season with a career average of 72% as far as makes. He had that noteworthy 39-yard field goal miss at the end of the Arizona game that if he would have made, that would have led us to potentially overtime. And so as a senior, this was an inauspicious start for him. But I've got to note, and I know you've seen this too, that since the 2-5 and five start, In field goals, he has now made three in a row. He connected on a 37-yarder against Oregon State. And then last week, he made two field goals in the 40s, one from 43 and the other from 49. And some of the media thought that some of his early struggles were because of a new holder. And because the way Molson is now kicking it, it kind of dispels those alibis but again props to J.J. Molson he is now five for eight on the season and is starting to get in a groove and that was shown in a big way against Stanford also against Stanford I think we saw some more tempo and I noticed this like on the first offensive drive and DTR was able to get rolling he found Jalen Irwin for a nice catch into Stanford territory and that ended up resulting in a touchdown by Kyle Phillips, who, by the way, has really taken over as the go-to wide receiver for UCLA. We'll get more into Kyle Phillips in just a moment. Also, can we put our hands together for our offensive line? I mean, it had gotten so much smack all season long that it wasn't playing at the level that we had hoped it would. But I feel like the game against Stanford showed us that it can actually outplay an opponent. And I feel like without hesitation, our offensive line finally in a game dominated the other team's guys up front. And great evidence of that is the way our ground game was established with Joshua Kelly emerging for his best game arguably of the season, 176 yards on the ground. He had a couple nice holes to run through on that first drive that set up that Kyle Phillips touchdown. You also had the 53-yard run by Joshua Kelly that got him to the one-yard line, and eventually DTR was able to punch it in for a one-yard run. And then there was the game-clinching 54-yard touchdown run by Joshua Kelly in the fourth quarter. 
So he had a, a grand performance on the ground. And a college football focus, which gets into the nitty-gritty of different stats, looked at Kelly's effort against Stanford and noted that he had picked up 4.61 yards after contact per carry. That, that's huge. He forced, according to college football focus, seven missed tackles, and he had five runs of five runs of at least 10 yards. So these are all great things to hear. And partially to blame for Stanford's inability to stop the run is the injury woes, right? I mean, and those extend to their linebacking core. And in fact, the Cardinal actually were forced to play walk-ons in this game in the linebacker position. And once again, after the game, Stanford head coach David Shaw was blaming all of this on the injuries, but then he said he wasn't. But deep down, we know subconsciously it was an excuse when he said, well, we started this season as healthy as we've ever been, and now we are as injured as we've ever been. So again, a bit of hypocrisy right there, but he is saying that he has been depleted on defense by the the ravaging of injuries, if you will, and, and certainly the Bruins were able to capitalize on that with their guys up front. Now, another thing that stood out to me in this game was Dorian Thompson's running abilities. Like, we had seen flashes of this over the course of his career, but it was like one big run, and then it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It wasn't really all tied in together with a really commanding ground performance. And I feel like we started to see that unfold against Stanford where we knew that this was a part of his game that was ingrained in his skill set and that Chip Kelly wanted to utilize as much as possible. But I just feel like DTR is now getting a feel for when to take off and run. And we know that he had more of this in him, and I think we're starting to see that. So Dorian had the the epic 39-yard run down the sideline in this game, which was the longest of his career. He actually had somebody open on the left side to pass to, and the broadcasters had mentioned that. But I feel like by taking off himself, he, he, he definitely would have gained and did gain more yardage in that, in that case. Now, David Shaw once again was asked about DTR. He said he was quick, athletic, explosive, and felt that he was really an enigma to stop because he felt like there were times where his secondary did a good job of blanketing coverage, but they forgot to account for DTR, and then he would take off with his legs and extend drives. I love the run from Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the touchdown, and I'm sure you've seen the highlight of this. It has gone viral. All of the UCLA football players on Twitter are retweeting this, not just because of the touchdown, but because of what it took to get that touchdown. So taking you from the snap, obviously it was a fake dive to the running back, and it was an RPO. And so then you had Dorian Thompson-Robinson using his athleticism and sprinting to the perimeter. Thing is, there were two defenders out there and only one blocker in tight end Devin Asiasi. Well, apparently, Devin Asiasi had no trouble with that because he blocked one guy and then he got to the second guy and pushed him away from DTR, opening up the running lanes for Dorian to scamper into the end zone. So obviously DTR gets the credit for the touchdown, but Devin Asiasi was truly the MVP of that play by taking not only one defender, but two defenders and sealing off an opening for DTR to scramble in there for the touchdown. Also, Devin Asiasi 
had a notable 22-yard reception in this game. So, you know, the blocking is going better for him, and he's also becoming a, a viable threat in the passing game as well. But I think that at this point, there's no debate that Kyle Phillips is the most lethal weapon in the passing game for UCLA. And his numbers have skyrocketed exponentially the last five games, and it's all capped off by a 10-catch, 100-yard receiving game against Stanford, had two touchdowns. Two games ago, he had seven catches for 71 yards, and then the game before, a touchdown catch. The game before that, a touchdown catch. And it's been noted by many that it just seemed like Stanford felt it was optional to defend Kyle Phillips in those slant routes because he absolutely torched them consistently in this game, and they continuously allowed him to get open. So props to Kyle Phillips. He seems to be the guy and he's just a redshirt freshman, so a really promising future ahead for him. And that might as well be the case for Stanford quarterback redshirt freshman in Jack West, who made his debut on Thursday against UCLA, but he didn't give us much in terms of confidence in what he was doing. What went wrong for him? March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So a day before Stanford took on UCLA last week, Cardinal head coach David Shaw said he is going to go with Jack West as the starting quarterback as opposed to K.J. Costello and Davis Mills, both of those guys nursing injuries. And this would be West's first career start in college. And to take you on a tangent for just a moment, this guy was highly recruited out of high school. He turned down Alabama to come to Stanford. So he was very well recruited. And, you know, you thought maybe he would show you some things, but he really didn't. There was a, a lot of nothing from his game in his first career start. And then again, it's his first career start, so you have to temper your expectations in that sense. But the guy does say that after his football days are over, he wants to run for office. But I, I got to think that the Stanford Cardinal football fans not giving him, after at least one game, a lot of votes of confidence, if you will, and as far as what Jack West was doing out there, I mean, he was working, and this is not his fault, I mean, he was working with three freshman offensive linemen, including Jake Hornerbrook, making his own first career start at the right guard spot. And so, decimated on the, on the line, I mean, they have lost five offensive linemen for the season because of injuries. And what I noticed, and I know the broadcasters and you were noticing this as well watching the game, was that West did not really have a lot of pocket awareness. So, you know, when the pocket was collapsing and the pressure was coming, he didn't do a really good job of sensing that. And so he basically just kind of walked himself into sack after sack, and the Bruins ended up racking up seven sacks. It was almost like when the pressure was coming, he froze up. And it was like, hey, UCLA, here I am. Come get me. And so he you know, put himself in positions where he wasn't able to know how to step out of the pocket, 
and maybe extend a play and give his team some hope about maybe completing a pass despite being under duress. Now, when Jack West reacted to his performance, when he spoke with media after the game, a lot of cliches, but if you sift through those cliches, you could hear that this guy, you know, felt like that throughout fall camp that he had practiced at least mentally as the number one guy, and so he hoped that that mindset carried over into this game, but unfortunately, it didn't, and again, he, he had to give himself a little bit of a wake-up call and be realistic here because it was just his first ever game. And and what you saw is, I mean, the guy really didn't throw the ball down the field at all the whole game. And I don't know if that was just because he was uncomfortable with it or that David Shaw didn't feel like he and West had the capability to do that at this point. But it really did kind of abbreviate and hamper the offense and its effectiveness because there really was never a successful deep shot thrown down the field. I mean, there were some intermediate routes that were connected, but it was basically just an outpouring of five-yard like checkdowns. I mean, it was checkdowns and swing routes. And unfortunately, you know, even in those situations for West, he was as effective as completing some of those as trying to eat steak with a spoon. I mean, he looked overwhelmed at times, you know, afraid of contact. And and even the dumps, like I said, the dump-offs, he couldn't always get right. And even when there wasn't a lot of pressure thrown his way. There was one, you know, standout example that I'll throw to you. And I did mention this on Friday that kind of epitomized his first game. And again, I'm not trying to rattle this guy because I'm sure, like, who wouldn't be 100% and best at their game in their first career start? I mean, but at the same time, you know, there were some things that he knows he's got to improve on. And one of them was when he tried to channel his inner Pete Maravich with a bounce pass to a receiver, which is not exactly allowed in football, but it would have been good in basketball. So minus the opening drive when the Cardinal were able to take it down the field led by Jack West and make a field goal and take their only lead of the game, the offense was basically non-existent until like late in the fourth quarter in garbage time when they finally got their first offensive touchdown. But Cardinal tight end Colby Parkinson was asked about like like what happened to the offense after that first drive? I mean, why was it so ineffective? And he he credited UCLA for, you know, showing them a lot of different pressures before the snap and he said tricking them a bit. He said it wasn't like they hadn't seen that stuff on film, but that there was this lack of execution and he said that he hopes his guys can learn from those mistakes. So on the UCLA side, the mistakes they made against Stanford did not get in the way of a win. So that is encouraging for UCLA. And now we want to be encouraged that this is a performance that will carry on into another game. That's going to be the biggest issue and one we're going to talk more later on in the show. But first, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. But now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked. That's GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
Appreciate you hanging out with us on Locked on Bruins. Brian Fenley with you. And so we're all in the aftermath of this win. Some of us are still brimming with optimism, some hope, some joy. At the same time, I feel like it's a guarded enthusiasm or positivity because it's kind of like you just witnessed some great stuff, right? Some nice progress. Kind of like, you know, you went on a great first date and, and you think, well, maybe this could lead to something. But you're a little bit cautious because, you know, you, you've been in situations before where the date says, you know what, I'm not interested in meeting you a second time. And so when the Bruins get out, get out on the field again against Arizona State this weekend, are we going to get the relapse? Are we going to get some progress from what they were able to build off of against Stanford? Or was this just a UCLA defense that capitalized on three freshmen on the offensive line and a very green quarterback who was not able to manufacture much in his first career start? You know, because I I think that this is a situation that can play with our emotions a bit. You know, we can get all giddy and, and excited about, well, this was really something. That the, maybe this, is, this could have been it, the best game that we've seen from a Chip Kelly-led UCLA team. So I, I, think, I think there's a, a strong argument for that. But, you know, obviously that leads us to think, well, does this have the, the possibility of a mid-late season run in them? if this is something that they can keep keep going and be that consistent. But again, you, you know, you go back to Stanford and their offensive line was held together by scotch tape, all these injuries. So I- am I encouraged? Do I think this is going to carry over? I obviously want to say yes. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I, I don't, I'm not here to rip. You know, I'm not, I, I don't want to be Mr. Hot Take Artist Especially, you know, if you've listened to a lot of radio, a lot of guys and gals who say hot takes, they just say it for the attention and they don't really mean it. And so, like, if you're going to say something that's powerful, say it because you mean it. Don't just say it. But anyway, when you think of UCLA, where they are right now, we, we want to think that this is going to carry over to the next game. But if the past reveals anything about what we might see in the future. You know, we haven't seen a lot of consistency to, to indicate that this team has the moxie to not relapse into poor play. You know, I think the best measuring stick for this team is going to be how they play against Arizona State this weekend. We're going to learn if this was an anomaly last week or a true telling point, and it will give us a better feel about the trajectory of this team in UCLA by how they fare against the Sun Devils, who have been, you know, privy to some big wins this season already and have been ranked 17th in the nation last week, but they did lose to Utah, but it's a tough opponent to consider nonetheless. All right, beginning tomorrow, I'm going to get a little bit more into the basketball side of things because the players have media availability coming up. Plus, I'll start to scout out those Sun Devils as we near kickoff. For Locked on Bruins, I'm Brian Fenley.